Good afternoon. This is Quintus Curtius, and uh, welcome back to the podcast. And in this podcast, I'm going to talk a little bit about a new translation that I published last week. It's a translation of a treatise by Cicero called On the Nature of the Gods. And it's something that I've been working on on a daily basis for just uh, just under two years, basically two years. So it's taken a lot of effort. And this is the fifth uh, Ciceronian treatise that I have uh, translated, the others being Tusculan Disputations, uh, On Moral Ends, On Duties, and uh, Stoic Paradoxes. So I feel like at this stage I have a very, very good grasp of Cicero as a writer and what his ideas are and how to best reproduce his diction and ideas in uh, the English language. So I'm very excited to get it out there. It's it's uh, it's currently available in uh, you know three different versions. There's a Kindle version, a paperback version, and a hardcover version. The audiobook version I'm expecting to have that out in October. My reader that I've used uh, for my previous uh, books is um, currently busy with another project, so once he gets done with that, I'll be able to enlist his uh, talents and his uh, skills in producing the audiobook version. So um, what I wanted to do in this podcast was just explain a little bit about what the book is and help people to really understand what it's uh, what it's all about, because for many people, these these types of classical works are just uh, are just um, unknown territory. They're terra incognita, for lack of a better phrase. And I thought the best way for me to do that would be simply to just read the foreword to the book. I'll just read that to you, and that will give readers a um, or listeners, I should say, an idea of what the book is about. So if you if you're interested in in buying the book. All you have to do is go to my website. There's links there on the right-hand side of the, well, in the desktop version. You can on the right side of the the screen. You'll find links to all my books there. And in in the uh, you know if you access the website through your handheld, you'll just if you, as you scroll through the website, you'll see all the links for all the books there. So it's very easy to access. So anyway, so let me go ahead and just read the foreword here, and that will help you understand what this uh, what this new translation is all about. And just so you know, this is an annotated translation. There's almost 500 footnotes in it. It also has illustrations. There are some other features. It has a topical content list, which explains in tabular form what the subject matter of each book and chapter is all about. And of course, there's a very detailed index. So I f- really feel like this is a, a um, an edition of well, a translation of On the Nature of the Gods that's, that, that I think is ideally suited for the, uh, the motivated general reader or the, uh, the dedicated homeschooler who is interested in, in exploring these areas of, of philosophy or theology. Uh, so, and and I, I think the, the, um, the translation that I've produced is much more clear, much more affordable, and frankly, much more... Uh, user-friendly and accessible than any other existing translation in the English language. So I'm very confident that other readers will find uh, find this out to be true as well. So let me go ahead and just read the foreword here. Uh, 
Few subjects in philosophy have so consistently engaged the interests of contemplative minds through the centuries as the question of a divine power. Does a supreme being exist? What unseen forces govern the universe? If a divine power does exist, what is its nature? What is the nature of our relationship to it? Does a divine power care about the affairs of mankind, or does it ignore us completely? And as a practical matter, how should we go about investigating this recondite and elusive subject? What impresses the modern student of philosophy is the fearless readiness of ancient thinkers to propound comprehensive answers to these questions. Despite the wide divergence of perspective among the classical philosophical schools, each of them offered systematic views on the nature and operation of the universe. The ancient schools were not always able to reconcile their cosmologies with the accepted religious beliefs of their day. And, acutely aware of the fates of Socrates and other philosophers who strayed beyond the acceptable limits of impiety and apostasy, they often confined their opinions to sympathetic adherence or adopted a protective coloration of didactic ambiguity. But in these brave early efforts, we feel the first stirrings of mankind's struggle to understand his place in the cosmos. It is a struggle that has continued to the present day. Cicero's On the Nature of the Gods, De Natura Deorum, is the fullest comparative study of ancient theology that has come down to us. Most of the sources that Cicero mentions in his treatise, and as the reader will see, there are many of them, have not survived the ravages of time. The works of Epicurus, Zeno, Cleanthes, Posidonius, Xenophanes, Anaxagoras, Pythagoras, Heraclitus, Democritus, and Cletomachus, to name only a few, are known to us only as tantalizing fragments, if at all. Yet Cicero's work has survived. This fact alone assures the work a prominent place in the history of philosophy. But as we will discuss in the introduction, On the Nature of the Gods is a crucial document not simply because it preserved the ideas of some Greek philosophers who predated Cicero. It is an original and profound work in its own right and is fit to stand alongside the great classics of Western philosophical thought. It offers penetrating analyses of religion's role in human affairs, man's place in the cosmos, divine providence, the problem of evil, the necessity of human agency, and the need for free will. The tone throughout is rationalist, but it is a rationalism buttressed by a powerful and inspiring sense of moral purpose. It was not without reason that Voltaire, in his philosophical dictionary, identified on the nature of the gods, together with Cicero's Tusculan disputations, as, quote, the two noblest works that were ever written by mere human wisdom. On the Nature of the Gods is a dialogue between three speakers, each one representing a particular philosophical viewpoint. The three books of the treatise comprise four general subjects. One, a review of the opinions of some important early philosophers and the basic ideas of the Epicurean and Stoic systems. Two, an explanation of the Epicurean position on the nature of the gods. Three, an explanation of the Stoic position on the subject. And four, a general critique of both the Epicurean and Stoic positions from the, from the perspective of academic skepticism. Cicero is present during the dialogue but does not, actively does not participate actively in it. From references in the text, 
scholars have dated the composition of the work to 45 BC. In the modern era, On the Nature of the Gods has been relatively neglected by both professional scholars and students of philosophy. The general decline in classical learning has something to do with this, but I suspect there are other reasons as well. Discussions about religion and the divine nature unavoidably agitate our most deeply held convictions. Views that do not align with our own are unlikely to receive a warm reception. Even in antiquity, Cicero's foray into these abstruse questions aroused the ire of both the pagan philosophical schools and some early Christian thinkers. The Epicureans and Stoics resented Cicero's withering attacks on their philosophies, while some Christian apologists were angered both by his rational ambivalence on the divine nature and by what they viewed as a utilitarian attitude towards religion that relegated faith to almost an afterthought. These points will be explored in more detail in the introduction. But with the advent of the Age of Reason and later the Enlightenment, rationalist and skeptical approaches to the divine nature became more accepted, at least among the educated. Descartes thought he could prove the existence of God with ontological reasoning, thereby implicitly acknowledging the supremacy of reason. Montaigne's polite essays elevated skepticism to a literary art form, and Leibniz privately adhered to Spinozism, while outwardly affirming the accepted theology of his day. In England and colonial America, deism flourished as a philosophical movement. Deism thoroughly rejected the supernaturalist and revelationist doctrines of the conventional theologians and held that ethical conduct should be based on conscience, virtue, and social responsibility. Deists accepted the existence of a rational and benevolent deity and argued that this divine architect revealed itself through nature's laws. Thus, the rational study of nature was, in their view, an essential path towards understanding the divine nature. While it would be going much too far to call Cicero a proto-deist, it is still interesting to point out similarities between his arguments in On the Nature of the Gods and some ideas articulated by Enlightenment-era thinkers many centuries later. A new and annotated translation of On the Nature of the Gods has been needed for many years. The text demands readable modern diction, conventional formatting, and a sentence structure free of Victorian archaisms and interminable clauses held together by rickety semicolons. At the same time, there must be a scrupulous fidelity to the words and tone of the original work. This is the approach I have used in translations of other Ciceronian treatises. It is hoped that this present effort will help revive interest in an undeservedly neglected classic of Western thought. On the Nature of the Gods contains many names, cultural references, and literary quotations that would be impenetrable to the modern reader without explanation, hence the unavoidable profusion of footnotes in the text. I have also found it necessary to include a general list of topics arranged by book and chapter. This feature, together with the index, may assist the reader in quickly locating a desired subject. The Latin text used for this translation was that of Stickney, Austin, editor, M. Tullii Ciceronis de Natro Deorum Libri Tres, Boston Gin and Company, 1890. The text is generally clear, although significant lacunae exist in the third book. 
The cover design was created by James C. Hafer, whose artistic talents I have relied on for many years. The illustrations appearing in the text have been reproduced from Combe Taylor, a description of the collection of ancient marbles in the British Museum, London, W. Bulmer and Company, 1812. Modern studies of On the Nature of the Gods are sparse, and where they do exist, they are addressed to the specialist. Students desiring a full critical apparatus of the Latin text may benefit from consulting Carlo Giambelli's two-volume M. Tullio Cicerone i tre libri de natura deorum, Roma, Hermano Loscher, 1896. I believe On the Nature of the Gods would be embraced by the modern reader if its treasures were more widely known and existed in a form accessible, convenient, and affordable to students of philosophy and theology. Cicero intended his philosophical works to be read and enjoyed not by professional philosophers, but by the Roman public. When we restrict his books to the shelves of specialists, we violate the intent and spirit of Cicero's original purposes. Our age would greatly benefit from a renewed interest in his thought. I owe a debt of gratitude to the readers of my earlier translations for their valued suggestions and comments. Zhulko Ivich offered many morale-sustaining opinions during the two years of labor on the present project. While every scholar must bear his own burdens unassisted, he invariably benefits from advice on how to adjust his pack along the road. I would finally like to express my special appreciation to Dr. Michael Fontaine of Cornell University for his unwavering support, encouragement, and cherished sense of humor. The fraternity of scholarship could not ask for a worthier brother. Quintus Curtius, George Thomas, Overland Park, Kansas, August 2023. So that's the foreword, folks, uh, that I've just read. And I hope you will consider uh, taking a look at the translation, and I hope you find it an enjoyable and uh, enlightening experience. And just a few words of advice on how to read books like this. Classical literature is often, well, not often, is is invariably uh, much more dense and much more uh, attention requiring than than uh, many modern publications. What I mean by that is there's not a lot of filler in these these books. You really have to pay attention. In other words, you you can't really just sit down and well maybe some people can but most people cannot simply just you know sit down and and uh, you know dance through it and just kind of breeze through it in a couple a couple days and just get everything out of it it has to be digested slowly and i would encourage you to approach it from that perspective you know read a few chapters eat, eat. there are three books in the translation book 1 book 2 and book 3 but each book is is separated into you know, around, on average, around, you know, 35, 40. Well, the first book has, I think, about 40 chapters. The second book has like 65. And then the third book has around 35. So, and they're very short. But what you can do is you can maybe read three or four or five chapters uh, in in small sittings. That way you, your brain has time to digest it. And I would encourage you to read the introduction carefully before you know, commencing the, the actual work itself, just so you have an idea of what to expect. I have summaries of the different book's contents in the introduction and some other insights into the content. So it, it may be worth, well, 
not maybe worth it. It, it is worth reading the introduction carefully before undertaking uh, the reading proper of the uh, the text itself. So just a few thoughts there. And uh, if anyone has any questions, obviously I can be contacted through the website or through the email address, qcurtius at gmail.com. Be happy to answer any questions. And um, that will do it for today's podcast.